When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey folks, and welcome back yet again to the Jim Brockmeyer Podcast. I am your host, former Major League Baseball announcer, and the man who taught Tony LaRusso the unwritten rules of getting a DUI. I'm Jim Brockmeyer. I'm joined by my co-host, the intrepid, the amusing, my producer, Sheena Dodd. Hello, Sheena. Hello, Brockmeyer, and uh, I'm actually not going to let that one slide. What are the unwritten rules of getting a DUI? I never taught you these? No. Oh my goodness, I've been remiss. All right, well, you know, there's obvious ones like no eye contact and no singing or dancing and don't tell the officer they remind you of your ex. Don't swing at a cop when you blow .30. Below that, go ahead and swing at the cop. But if you blow .30, don't. No showboating while saying the alphabet backwards. Just be humble. Keep your head down when you do that. And most importantly, don't spend too much time admiring your own vomit. Yeah, I mean, these seem... Fairly obvious, Jim. Oh, you already. Oh, excuse me, the expert in uh, in getting a DUI. I'm sorry. I, then you're on your own. I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry. <laughs> no. I burden you with this knowledge. You know, you're right. You know what, Jim? You're right. Thank you for teaching me. No, no, no. Listen, you made your your stance clear here. <laughs> How are you, Sheena? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I mean, uh, baseball. It's been a weird year so far in baseball. You've been paying attention to all these bizarre injuries that have happened in baseball this year. You mean like Zach Plesac? Yes, Zach Plesac, pitcher for the Cleveland Indians. I mean, I was also thinking of the pitcher who broke his pinky playing video games, my goodness. But Plesac is definitely the weirdest one. Yeah, what did Plesac do again? It was weird like that. He broke his thumb by taking his shirt off too aggressively. Yeah, what? Like how? What does that even mean? How do you do that? I have no idea. How brittle do you have to be to be broken by your own T-shirt? I mean, if that's all it takes, I'm surprised you can turn a doorknob without needing Tommy John surgery. You, you know what these players need today, Sheena? What do they need, Brockmeyer? They need steroids. Sheena. Oh, God. No, good old-fashioned steroids. I understand we need to protect the integrity of the game, but we've gone too far in the other direction now. Now, our players are so soft and weak now, they're being taken down by Fruit of the Loom. Mark McGuire never got injured by his own shirt. The man was so beefed up, if he flexed, his shirts would rip. His shirts were afraid of him. That's why, he, you know, he had single-use shirts. Did you know that? They would just, he would peel them off a roll like a paper towel. Okay, I don't think that's true, and I don't think steroids would stop dumb injuries. Uh, didn't Sammy Sosa hurt his back by sneezing too hard? You don't think that's true, and you don't need my DUI <laughs> rules, whatever. But that's a fair point about Sosa. That did happen to him. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to amend my recommendation. The players today need steroids and Claritin, okay? Because seasonal allergies, that, that, they're no joke. I have those. Yeah, me too. They, they affect millions beyond they the do. two of us. They are the worst. They're the worst thing that I've been through this year. Well, then you're having a pretty good year, actually, Sheila. Well, I don't know about that. <laughs> well, I do. You millennials, you take everything for granted. <laughs> All right, let's get to the show now. We got a good one here 
I could not be happier to have this guest on today. She's the co-host of The Herd with Colin Cowherd on FS1, and she's got her own podcast called Maybe I'm Crazy with Joy Taylor. Be weird if I introduce Bill Simmons now, but I'm not going to do that, thank God. It's Joy Taylor, everybody. Welcome, Joy. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, please. Thank you for being here. Now, as I just said, you host a show with Colin Cowherd. Going to get a little philosophical with you. You ever contemplate just how appropriate it is that you are named Joy, given that joy is the overwhelming emotion people feel when Colin Cowherd stops talking? Did you ever consider this? I had not considered that. I like the name pun uh, right off the top. (laughs) No warming up in the bullpen. I go right with the strong stuff. Yeah. (laughs) Leave with your best. I got more to come. Because see, in my <laughs> mind, I imagine that the, sometimes God names people. See, I imagine the job was between you and a fellow named Relief Thompson and a woman named Exasperated Side Jones. But I think that you're, you are the best choice by far because your name really captures the, the full emotion, the joy, the joie, the ebullience, if you will. I guess ebullience Jenkins might have given you a run for your money. But uh, other than that, I, I am speaking from personal experience now. Uh, from listening to the show, and I am an avid fan, because whenever your voice pops up, I just immediately, I relax. I, I stop digging my fingernails into my thighs, I clean up all the blood, and I pull the noose right off my neck. So thank you for saving my life many, many times, Joy Taylor. <laughs> well, I do I do what I can, but it's 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 very fun to work with Colin. And Colin, we do a long show. We do three hours. So, you know, he's he's got to talk a lot. Well, he's certainly taking that to heart. I mean, saying Colin talks is like saying sharks eat. And I want to clarify, I don't hate, I don't dislike Colin. I'm a tremendous fan and admirer of what he does. It's not that I don't like Colin. It's Colin doesn't like me, I'm pretty sure. I mean, he refuses to watch my show, for example. I think maybe the idea of a sportscaster getting in trouble for saying something on air and losing his job maybe hits a little too close to home for him. But, you know, Colin has very bizarre opinions about entertainment, which you must have noticed working with him. I mean, for example... He insists that spoilers are not a thing. He, I've heard him say that to you many, many times, and that nobody should care about spoilers. He compares it to sports. Like knowing that the Warriors were going to win every year when they were a dynasty didn't mean you weren't going to watch because you wanted to see it play out. That's a ridiculous comparison. To, I mean, how, what do you think about that? I think that's absurd. So I have a very strong opinion about spoilers in particular when it comes to entertainment. Yes. But for sports, I get the, I get the parallel he's drawing there because I'm a big fan of stars and big brands and I like super teams. I mean, everyone hated the Miami Heat, LeBron James, Chris Bosh, Dwayne Wade era, but it was wonderful for me. So I don't mind that. But as far as spoilers go, I think you have a window in which to consume certain contents. And then if you choose as an individual to not consume the content that everyone else is consuming within a reasonable amount of time and it gets spoiled for you, that's on you. But the sports comparison, like if the Warriors are very likely to win, which they were, sometimes they don't, Joy. That's why you watch sports. Sometimes they're up three to one and they still lose the series. See, that's not the case with movie spoilers. It's not like one out of a hundred times when you watch The Sixth Sense, Bruce Willis turns out to be alive. You know, that doesn't happen. I mean, does Colin even understand the joy of being surprised? And I use that term purposely, the joy of being surprised. I I just imagine Colin on Christmas morning, you know, his kids under the tree, looking at a bunch of presents that he hasn't wrapped, you know, and them all crying. He's just yelling at them about how logical it all is, you know. 
What difference does it make? You're just going to get the presents anyway. Just grow up, children. Well, I don't know. I kind of subscribe to that, too. Like, if you go to a shower, why are we opening gifts? I know we all know what you got. That's why you had, you had a list of things that you wanted, you know? So, like, what's the surprise? Unless somebody got you something that wasn't on your registry. And then, like, did you want that? Because it wasn't on your registry. We're actually, I'm learning I'm actually, ve- like, very similar to Colin in a lot of ways. I think you've been hanging out with him too long. I think he's infected your mind over there. (laughs) Being a little hard on Colin, I understand. Me and him have had some bad run-ins. Did you know that? I did not. Yeah. First of all, during Christmas time one year, I said he looked like an elf on the shelf going through a divorce, which I do regret saying that. And I apologize to him, not only to him, but to elves everywhere, because elf marriage is a sacred union, and I should not have made light of that. When elves exchange rings, it's very, very meaningful, and it could be devastating when it goes wrong, as we all saw in the films of Peter Jackson. But um, me and Colin did have a pretty bad run-in a few years ago at a Barnes & Noble. You know how Colin's written a bunch of books? Yeah. I have Raw right here, and then I have Colin Coward. You heard me right there, both of them. So you you have a Hey, Look at Me, I Never Shut Up by Colin Coward? You got that one? How about The Seven Habits of Highly Obnoxious People? That's also by Colin Coward. I didn't, I didn't see that one. You know, how about Don't Interrupt Me Because I'm a Witch Placed a Curse on Me and if I ever stop talking, I'll die. You got that one by Colin Cowherd? Well, if he doesn't stop talking, he's not going to get paid. <laughs> I think one of the things I love about the show is how loyal and loving you are towards Colin. I think it absolutely is wonderful. But anyway, he was doing a book signing from one of those wonderful books at the Glendale Galleria. And I was doing what I did at the time in my life, which I was cursing God and getting hammered at the Cheesecake Factory. And uh, as I was unemployed, I was, I was resentful of pretty much anybody who had any sort of success in sportscasting. So I bought one of those books, and I waited in line for him to sign it. And when he opened it up, it's embarrassing to say, but I had, um, I had taken a shit on Chapter 5. Uh, and uh, to Colin's credit, he still signed the book. He signed it uh, to Jim, wash your hands. So uh, he, he was the bigger man than I am. Maybe he, he saw the future that... You know, a lot of people didn't know. That's what we learned is a lot of people didn't know how to properly wash their hands last year. So he was just looking out for you. He was ahead of the curve on the whole public health thing, I will admit. All right, now, last thing on Colin, then I'm going to move along. Here is something I've always wondered, because I do listen to your show all the time. You're, you are truly excellent sports commentator. The majority of the time on The Herd, Colin is just going on these seemingly endless monologues. Presumably, he's talking to you. But if so, it sounds like he's talking to you the way that Hamlet talks to a skull, you know, very one-sided. When Colin is running up on, say, minute 13 of an uninterrupted Baker Mayfield soliloquy, is there anything you do to kill time? Like, you ever tempted, you ever just, like, whip out the old iPad and watch an episode of Chopped? No, I do not watch Chopped episodes during the show. (laughs) (laughs) What about Master Chef? Master Chef is also another good show. I just discovered that one. I'm, I've been a big Chop fan for years. I just discovered uh, in the in the pandemic Master Chef. I've been I've been binging that. You know, I saw uh, Beat Bobby Flay the other day. Another good one. Used to uh, play poker with Bobby Flay, but that's oh. another story. Anyway, it seems like working with Colin is a lot like visiting Grandpa. You just got to spend your time together, nodding and smiling, because he's not going to hear you anyway. Just let him ramble and reminisce and hope he can get out of there before he starts ranting about millennials and what's wrong with them, which is actually a lot. But uh. You know, Brockmeyer, I've been sitting here listening to you, and I'm just wondering, what do you think I do while you're monologuing? Mm. Boy, that's, that's an excellent question. Uh, I've actually have thought about that long and hard, and my answer is this. I'm, I'm not sure, Sheena. 
My current theory is that you are simultaneously uh, attending an online law school. Am I correct? That that is incorrect. Really? Because I could have sworn I saw you with like a huge law book one time. Yeah, that was an employment law book because you haven't paid me for this podcast, and that's illegal. Yeah, well, it sounds like the sirens are coming for you. Quite frankly. No, no, they're they're coming for you. <laughs> they're not on my end. Those are your end for you folks listening at home. But um, this is the United States. But in the eyes of the law, this podcast is recorded in the Philippines. So. But you're in New York. Uh, well, uh, never mind. No, I'm sorry. I didn't hear what you said over the hustling bustler downtown Manila. So let's move on because we're being rude to Joy. You're being rude Don't to call Joy. Me FBI. Joy, you and I couldn't be more different. But I appreciate your relationship with Colin. <laughs> I'm I'm very blessed. I've had. Great relationships with all the talent that I've worked with. You really are very, very blessed. <laughs> ah, easy, easy. Well, it sounds like I'm blessed because, you know, at least I get paid to work. Yeah. And if a judge asks you, I hope you'll say that again. Well, I'm, I'm, usually the guest is uncomfortable. I'm quite uncomfortable with the way this is all gone. I don't think I've ever heard Joy uh, hijack a show like you just hijacked mine, Sheena. So why don't you take a lesson from Joy and uh, and be a little bit more respectful to your to your elders. Okay. Now, Joy, you are originally from Pittsburgh. That's correct, right? Yes. Okay. Born and raised. I'm assuming that has a very big deal to do with you being a football fan. Because if you're from Pittsburgh, you're destined to be a Steelers fan or an alcoholic or both. <laughs> so it's, it's my kind of city. <laughs> That's not inaccurate. <laughs> I know it isn't. South side <laughs> of Pittsburgh, I believe, has the most amount of bars like per capita in the country. So yes, there's a lot of drinking that goes on in Pittsburgh and a lot of watching of the Pittsburgh Steelers. So yes, I, uh, I was born into a football family, but everyone that I know watches the Steelers. I mean, that's just the religion. Is it ever? Sheena, you ever been to Pittsburgh, Sheena? I went once for like half a day, but I don't really remember it. Hmm. Good story. Um, I was there and on Sunday, it's actually terrifying. Everybody, and I mean everybody, has a Steelers jersey on. I mean everyone in the town. You know, like priests, rabbis, children, uh, uh, homeless people, everybody has a Steelers jersey. It's a little unnerving. It's like a cult. Would you don a Steelers jersey every Sunday, Joy, when you live there? No, I didn't. But yeah, it's, it's like I said, it's a religion. It's, it is, it's cultish, um, but that's what Pittsburgh is about. It's a very loyal place. You know, that's why Ben Roethlisberger is still inexplicably there with no <laughs> no backup in sight. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't wear a Pittsburgh uh, Steelers jersey. You must have been the only one that didn't. I was the only one that didn't. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's I mean, they wrap the babies in terrible towels when they're born. You don't have a choice. It, it really is freaky. It's like an episode of uh, The Leftovers on HBO or something. It's like, what has happened to these or, or Village of the Damned or something? <laughs> or football zombies. Exactly. I don't know. Maybe that that instilled Pittsburgh loyalty. Maybe that maybe that helps explain some of your some of your very admirable uh, affection and loyalty towards Colin. But um, your older brother, Miami Dolphins legend Jason Taylor, was that an experience having a professional athlete, let alone such a great one, in your family? I mean, does it make you feel confident and powerful knowing that a member of the Pro Football Hall of Fame has at one point changed your diaper? Did that have any effect on you at all? Um, yeah, of course. I mean, I've seen, I saw his whole career where he's 12 years older than me, but you know, I can remember him playing at the Wolverine in Turtle Creek in Pittsburgh in high school. And then I went to every one of his college games, except for one. Yeah. Watching him go 
from a third round pick to a Hall of Famer is pretty incredible. We're very different. We're the same person, but the like fundamentally and I think <laughs> different when it comes to media, I think, because I don't know that if I was in his shoes, he has a great relationship with the media. And now I'm being in the media. I always respect guys who are super patient with us nerds because man, it's a lot to deal with sometimes, especially if you're like a face of a franchise. So you wouldn't want to deal with you if you were an athlete. Is that what you're saying? Definitely not. But I do think that because I watched my brother's career, I look at sports and athletes from a more human space. So I try to be respectful and aware when I'm giving my opinion. Yeah, that does come through. I don't compliment too many of my guests, but I will say that is true. Honest, but empathetic and uh, very real about how you speak about the athletes. And, and I think part of that probably is informed by having grown up with one. And I heard that I actually read that he actually really did. He was older than you and he really did die. My sister's, uh, I have a sister who's 12 years older than I was. She helped raise me. I heard he really did diaper you. Is that is that like a true story? Like he actually, he helped like with your with your child rearing? <laughs> he better have changed my diaper. Yes, of course. I'm kind of spoiled because we have like two litters of kids. So I have an older sister who's two years older than Jason, Tiffany, and then Jason. And then he's 12 years older than me. And then I have a younger sister and younger brother. So I'm kind of like the middle child. Then I'm like the oldest of the second litter, but then the youngest of Tiffany and Jason. So I got all of the complexes. Well, not many people can say that they've had the experience of a professional athlete diaper them. I can because of a weekend I spent in Vegas with Terry Bradshaw. I was a full-grown man at the time. It was a result of a stomach illness that I incurred at a strip club seafood buffet, but it did happen. And now, whenever I need a little boost of confidence, I just uh, I picture Terry's bald head framed between my thighs as he shakes out baby powder, and I just I feel good about myself again. Ooh, a seafood buffet at a strip club is that's living on the edge for real. Yeah, normally if there are naked people around on a Saturday night and I'm putting something in my body, it's typically not solid food. Or if it is, it's not going in my mouth. Any hoodles. <laughs> Your brother, as you said, he did have a big influence on you. Yes. But I'm not talking about sports right now. I'm talking about hot dogs, Joy. I heard that because of him. Is this true? You have a phobia of hot dogs? Is that true? Yes, he is responsible for that. Can you explain this? Well, I mean, like any normal person, I grew up eating hot dogs. and. Okay, so, so far we're good. What happened? <laughs> He showed me a hot dog eating doc, not eating a hot dog, like how they make hot dogs. Oh, and that's just not something that you should watch if you're ever going to eat a hot dog again. So, no, I don't eat meat poop anymore. Yeah, I, boy, that does explain it, doesn't it? I mean, phobia is a strange word to use. Well, because you don't you don't eat something for so long and you just, you know, you're so disgusted by it, then it eventually becomes something that you're legitimately afraid of. Like, I don't want to eat. I don't want to touch a hot dog. I don't want anywhere near me. My friends think it's funny to, like, put them in plastic baggies and stick them in my luggage. And it's <laughs> it's awful. I say I don't believe in hot dogs. Like, I fundamentally don't believe in them. Well, they do exist. They, but not that they don't exist. You believe they're real, but you just... It's meat poop. And I'm not a picky eater. The only thing I don't eat, actually, is hot dogs and cottage cheese. Because cottage cheese <laughs> is the consistency of throw-up. So why would you want to eat that? You got a point there. I actually really did have some cottage cheese for lunch. <laughs> it, it depends on the throw-up consistency. Wise. True. But there is at least one version of throw-up consistency that is cottage cheese. No, no question about it. I would never argue that. 
but phobia, it's like it's one thing to be disgusted by hot dogs, to you know, to really have an aversion to them, but like you like wake up in a cold sweat because like hot dog nightmares, like they're gonna get you or something. They might. I mean, they might. <laughs> no, I really truly despise hot dogs though. I'm I feel very strongly about it. Like I I really don't I don't even like talking about them. Well then you're gonna hate the next thirty seconds. Cause as a baseball fan, you know, but I find your hodophobia kind of personally offensive. Isn't it inconvenient for your work? Because that's probably the food that's most closely associated with sports. I mean, probably around it more than most people. It's like Mick Jagger having a fear of cocaine or something. (laughs) No, you're right. It is. And sports fans don't appreciate my hot dog takes either. And, you know, I'm in Los (laughs) Angeles, so everyone is always talking about a Dodger dog and how incredible they are. But I don't believe in it. I, I think it's a terrible lifestyle. It does make it difficult because you're, you're right. Hot dogs are a big part of sports culture. They certainly are. I mean, do you look at Joey Chestnut? You know who Joey Chestnut is? You know, they, oh, oh, my God. Yeah, okay, so you do. <laughs> He's Unwatchable. competitive eating hot dog guy. Is he just a disgusting person to you, or is he a hero for helping rid the world of hot dogs? <laughs> That's interesting. It's a dilemma for you, isn't it? That's an interesting outlook on it. I hadn't thought of it that way. I can't watch those contests. I mean, no, nobody can, even if you love hot dogs. That's just disgusting. It is easy to be disgusted if you think too long about how it's made, certainly if you watch a film about it. But, you know, Joy, you can say that about a lot of things. You can say it about the NFL. You know, delicious entertainment, but you think about where it comes from, and it all leads back to the tortured pink paste that is Roger Goodell's body. But... Uh, if I may say, I appreciate your willingness to take a very brave stance here, George. That's something I've noticed about you. You are no pushover on that social media. You are not afraid to get into it with people on Twitter or Instagram if they come at you. Why is that, Joy? Because there are lots of people who would say that you are giving these losers exactly what they want. I mean, you realize your tweet is the only interaction that these dorks have had with a woman that wasn't an anime character drawn on a body pillow. I mean, you understand that, right? Very much, which is why I often give them the compliment of me recognizing what they are, which is incels. You know what an incel is? I do, yes. For those of you who don't, it's an involuntary celibate. I don't approach social media, I think, the same way that most people do because I actually have a life. So I enjoy social media. I like interacting with fans. It actually kind of bothers me that there's so many trolls now because I like talking to fans. That's the sports radio in me interacting with people and seeing, you know, how, you know, the sports fan is really actually feeling about their team or what's going on. And that kind of gets muddled in this, you know, anonymous nature of social media and that guise of having these fake accounts and these trolls just being able to say whatever they want to people with no consequences really makes people feel empowered. So I kind of approach it as just a way of reminding people that there are some consequences, even if you are anonymous, to talking crazy to people. So I have a ability to not let it ruin my day. I also find it kind of fun. It's a little bit of a sport to me, to your point. Yeah, like a blood sport. (laughs) But see, what you just mentioned, that's why I don't use social media. As I've said this many times, I, all I have is, a, is Pornhub Premium and a Hotmail account. That's it. Because it seems like using Twitter without a filter could put you in some awkward situations. Like, you used to be on Undisputed, as you mentioned, with Skip Bayless. But before that, you tweeted about Skip. You called him a troll in a straight-up cartoon. Completely accurate, by the way, both those statements. 
because he is those things. I mean, was that a little awkward when you started working with him, though? Yeah, it was a it was a big deal. But because I'm a real one, I went and to his face and apologized. Oh, you did, huh? Well, I'll, I'll say this. At that point, I had known Skip a little bit. And Skip has always been extremely kind and gracious to me and very respectful. And when that happens, I needed to tell him to his face that I was apologetic about what I said. And we talked about it. And he understood that I was in South Florida at the time. And he's a Spurs fan and I'm a Heat fan and Heat fans, we battled with, it was a part of their show every day talking about the Miami Heat. So he was very understanding and he was very receptive to me apologizing to him in person. I am not that kind of person. I'm not built like that. If I say something that offends someone and I care about that person, or if I feel like, you know, I've been disrespectful, then I'll apologize. I think that's a big problem with our society is that people view apologies as like weakness or, you know, they just don't want any consequences for anything that they do. Like who raised you? So Skip was very kind to me about it. He was very gracious about it. And uh, I don't feel like there should be any, any shame in that. And no, me neither. Listen, my reflexive response is to apologize. For, I, I apologize for stuff before I even do. I apologize in advance, pretty much for everybody. Just like a prophylactic. <laughs> I'm very sorry about whatever's about to happen. Because usually, I and mean, usually it's appropriate. But but so Skip being magnanimous was one of the things that won you over to liking him, is what I'm hearing you saying. I would have sworn it was probably Stockholm Syndrome. Just uh, you were there, you were a captive audience, and you had to listen to him all day, and so you just kind of gave into it. This was before the show even started. Oh, I see. All right, so genuinely, you you uh, had a had a meeting of the minds before you even started working together. Yeah, we met a lot. He fawns of my background in sports radio. It helps you really know how to talk, like we talked about Colin earlier, and do things live and make mistakes, which is an important part of the business is to be able to keep rolling when you mess up. Agreed. Again, another one that uh, I am I employ almost daily because I do almost nothing but screw up. Speaking of talking about sports, let's actually do some of that. Uh, it is why you're here after all. Uh, Sheena, what do we got today? What topics are we going to discuss with Joy? So the 2021 NFL schedule was recently announced with a live TV special, giving fans everywhere who are desperate for football content of any kind a glimpse of what they have to look forward to this year. Some matchups that stand out in the week one game between the New York Jets and Carolina Panthers, where Jets rookie quarterback Zach Wilson will face off against his predecessor, Sam Darnold. But of course, everyone's eyes are on week four, when the Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers will play the New England Patriots, finally giving everyone the much-anticipated Tom Brady-Bill Belichick showdown. Yes. Now, first of all, Joy, you and Colin have been talking about this schedule a lot lately, and Colin has taken some credit for making... Uh, NFL schedule release day, a big deal, now that it's got its own TV special, as Sheena just mentioned, just like he takes credit for making the NFL draft a big deal. So, you know, I don't want to continue this line of discussion without properly thanking your coworker for blessing us with this must-see TV event and all this content. Can you tell him being a little bit sarcastic there? Because I love football as much as the next guy, I do, but an entire special, Joy, dedicated to reading the schedule. I mean, if a friend of mine was like, hey, you want to come over and have some drinks and watch the NFL schedule release special? I'd be like, you're an alcoholic and you're looking for an excuse to drink. But that said, yeah, I'll probably be there. What do you think of, of this? Normally, I would say it's probably not that serious, but we just went through a pandemic 
and didn't have sports for like four or five months, you know, Colin and I do a three hour show. We had no games. So even like the last dance was a big deal. So now I think like in this content space where we're always looking for content and we're, and the NFL is King, if you can get some more live audience, why not? But I, I just like going through the schedule and playing win loss. Yeah, I do too. No, I hear you. It's just, I'm so grateful to have sports back, really any version of it. Ugh. Maybe I'm a little resentful because they're just, they're putting less and less actual baseball games on, on national television. Oh, you're, are you cranky old baseball guy? I am cranky old baseball guy. I mean, that's literally on my card. Jim Brockmeyer, cranky old baseball guy. Everybody else is just shamelessly milking the NFL drive every last bit of content. I mean, society only needs to collapse just a little bit more. For us to get to the point where if somebody like Patrick Mahomes gets hurt, ESPN is going to make an hour special out of him getting an MRI, you know? Put this huge machine on stage and Goodell stands next to it dressed like an old-timey nurse. I'd watch that. I'd watch it too, yeah. I would. I would watch that also. For sure. <laughs> we have to be must-see TV. We should pitch that, Brockmeyer. We absolutely should. But anyway, all that said, let's talk shamelessly about the NFL like uh, Joy and Colin love to. Now, Sheena mentioned a couple. Are there any games that you're particularly looking forward to this year, Joy? Well, I feel like the whole first week, every game is interesting. So they did a good job with that. I want to see how Bill Belichick interacts with Tom Brady because he's so awkward with Tom and he can't help but be awkward with him. But Bill Belichick is sneaky. He'll be like affectionate. I don't want to say sweet, but he'll be very complimentary and at least verbally affectionate when he wants to. But there was this moment, like, I think it was, I can't remember what game it was, but it was the last year that Tom was in New England and Belichick like had to give the game ball to him. And it was so awkward. Yeah, I remember that. You remember that was just like this weird interaction. Like, why is it so awkward between the two of you? So I really want to see, like, do they hug? Do they do like a church hug with the space for Jesus in between? Like what <laughs> what kind of interaction are they going to have at that game? Because right now Tom is winning the divorce and I'm looking forward to that one for sure. Yeah, me too. I think it's going to be fun for those reasons. I'm not as excited as some people are because, you know, people are framing it like it's still something to be determined as to who's more responsible for the Patriots dynasty. Pretty clear it's Brady, right? I mean... To leave the team and immediately win a Super Bowl? That, doesn't that settle it? I mean, it, it's like the Bill Gates divorce. You're both still rich, but one of you doesn't have ties to Jeffrey Epstein, so clearly a winner there, right? Definitely a winner there. All right, we got a little time crunch here. What else we got, Sheena? Real quick, let's get another one in. Okay, so we talked a little bit about this last time when it was still tentative, but it's officially happened. Tim Tebow has signed a contract to play tight end for the Jaguars. He'll be reuniting with head coach Urban Meyer in Jacksonville, where he'll recapture some of the magic that won him a Heisman, albeit now at a position he has never, ever, ever played before. Boy, boy, it's actually happening, uh, Joy. Uh, What is going on here? It's not an alternate universe. This is not a drill. I mean... Is Urban Meyer just trying to get on God's good side after all the evil he's done? What is going on here? Honestly, I have no idea what Urban is doing other than what Urban always does, which is exactly what he wants to do. And I think that Urban is a great coach and, and, and a brilliant football mind. And I love the move for him to go to Jacksonville. And I love Trevor Lawrence and that he's going there. And I actually love Tebow. I think I like Tebow's brand. I think he's a nice guy. He gets a lot of shit for no reason. 
just because people feel like he, you know, gets opportunities he doesn't deserve, which he doesn't. Like, if we're being honest, he doesn't well, deserve. That's, that's a pretty that's good, a good reason, reason to give a guy shit. That's a kind of a great reason. But <laughs> I'm on Brockmeyer's side. I will defend him on this. Well, well, I wouldn't do it if I was Tebow because I like to read the room. So I don't think overall this was a good move for his brand because it it looks like the good old boys club. He doesn't deserve this opportunity. He's been out of the league for eight years. He's never played this position past high school. You know, the worst tight end on the worst team last year is still better than he is. But the sneaky thing, though, is he's a three-year vested player. So right now his pension is like 19600 or something like that. If he plays three more, I believe three might be four more games, he'll be vested as a four-year player and his pension goes up tremendously, like three times as much. That's very interesting. There's a little conspiracy theory. As you said, that does make even a stronger argument for the old good old boys looking out for each other scenario. Anyway. A lot of people get very defensive, though, when you badmouth Tim Tebow, as I'm sure you've I bet you've dealt with them on oh, Twitter. Yeah. yeah. Well, because they interpret every negative comment about him as part of a war on Christianity or something. And look, that's not what it is. OK, folks, Tim Tebow sucks the same way that Christian rock sucks. It's not because it's Christian. It just happens to be Christian. Just the music's terrible. If, if, if Tim Tebow could have made the Jets a winner, I would have been his biggest fan. And I'm definitely going to hell for sure. So it's nothing to do with Christianity. All right? <laughs> no, it's definitely not about Jesus. At least not for me. No. Um, I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to the Zach Wilson-Sam Darnold game because of how much the Jets fan base will melt down if and when they lose. Because New York sports media is already a machine powered by overreaction joy. And this is just going to supercharge the whole thing for weeks upon weeks. Let's start with Wilson. How do you think Zach Wilson's going to do in New York? I don't think he's going to do well. I mean, I root for all of these guys to be successful, but it's the Jets. And I spent one <laughs> year as a Jets fan, so I, I earned the right to be disrespectful to the Jets. I mean, the Adam Gase hire was ridiculous. Uh, I felt like I was like the only one in sports media who was like, how is this guy getting a job in New York? This is insane. So I don't hold that against Sam Darnold. But a lot of the dysfunction around the team was because of that. And now you have a new coach in an, in an AFC East division that is not the same anymore. I mean, you have the Dolphins and Brian Flores who are doing well. You still have Belichick. The Bills are Super Bowl contenders. So, And I don't understand how Zach Wilson jumped everybody, too. How did he all of a sudden become the second best quarterback in this draft? Yeah, it seems like every year the math gets rearranged for reasons that, uh, you know, mere mortals like us can't understand. But I don't know. I, I, I have a bad feeling about Zach Wilson for the Jets as well. I, not because he's not going to be a good quarterback, but because he's Mormon, Joy. And uh, the Mormon religion was founded by a man, Joseph Smith, who famously tried to bring a message of hope and was promptly run out of where? New York! Not exactly a good history there. Mm. Uh, this is not a, a Steve Young San Francisco situation. He's quite literally going to be a lamb of God to the slaughter. <laughs> I, don't, I don't have a religious background in the Mormon faith. I was raised Baptist, so I'm not fully familiar with the origins of the Mormon faith. But that is, that's not something I considered. That's, that's some good information there. Yeah, I, I tend to upset all Christians especially the Mormons. So I, I, I kind of know how they think. But I would, I, I would not, like you, I wouldn't be surprised if Darnold had an amazing, uh, amazing year this year because of the better offense around him. And he deserves it 
Because like you said, anybody who puts up with Adam Gaze for longer than a few minutes definitely deserves a trophy. I once I chatted with Adam Gaze for two minutes at an airport bar once. I felt so uh, messed up by it that I went and asked for frequent flyer miles, and they gave it to me. They saw <laughs> who I was talking to. They took pity on me. Because the man makes everybody around him worse, doesn't he? He is the opposite of, of Lady Luck. You know, that's why the economy collapsed last year. It was not the pandemic. It was, Adam Gase had a job too close to the New York Stock Exchange. That's documented. <laughs> I would not be surprised. I, I mean, again, I would have loved to see it work for him, but, you know, I saw it in Miami and I was just like completely confused as to, you know, I always wonder with these hires, like what do these guys say when they get in these rooms with these billionaires? Yeah, I, I agree. I'm obsessed with that too. I th- see, here's what the, I think the problem is. You want your owner to be the self-made billionaire. What you don't want is the owner who's the self-made billionaire's son. Because then you're in the bizarro world. The judgment is thrown way off. These guys couldn't run a dry cleaning business, let alone a professional sports franchise. And they do things like bizarro things, like think Adam Gase is great and hire him. I don't get it. I mean, I guess like Jim Irsay's done a done a good job. You know, they have Carson Wentz now. They've they've had some success. So I guess there's some examples of that. But I would love to be a fly on the wall because like. I'm a black woman in sports media. I always love to know what is it? What is that thing I got to say? I need to know. Right. So what is what is it? I, I would love to have like a secret recording of what is said in this meeting where Adam Gase gets to do gets to destroy the New York Jets for a couple of years. Like here, you just you didn't do anything. And Ryan Tannehill has gone to Tennessee and been amazing. Let's just give you another go. Why not? Listen, I'm an old white man in sports media, and I'd like to the same information. Although I do receive chance after chance after chance. It probably does have something to do with just the fact that I am an old white man. I just have to show up and they just hand me more chances, Joy. We're coming to the end of the podcast here. Time for a little game, Joy. Okay. A Brockmeyer podcast classic. It's called I Judge Your List. I Judge Your List. Uh, today's topic, top five superhero movies. Okay, so in this game, you give me your top five or something, in this case, superhero movies, and I tell you just how wrong you are. So you've already lost this game before you've even started playing, Joy. I'll tell you that. Talk about a spoiler alert. Okay. We're getting into the summer movie season and uh, going to actually have movies again, thank goodness. And since pretty much every big blockbuster now is a superhero movie, which I hear you're a big fan of, I am too. So here we go. Joy Taylor, top five superhero movies. Hit me. All right. These aren't in order, but these are these are my top five. That's fine. The Dark Knight. All right. I'm going to reserve judgment on that one, so continue. Avengers Endgame. That is interesting that you went right to Disney. You know, if I didn't know any better, I'd say, are you trying to get a job at ESPN? Are you kind of <laughs> bucking for that? <laughs> I am actually one of those adult Disney weirdos. I had a terrible childhood. <laughs> So anytime I can go to Disneyland, I go like all out and wear like the oh. shirts and the special ears and I like watch <laughs> Disney movies as an adult. So whatever that means. I think I'm good. That's going to be my nickname for you from now on. Special ears. That's what special I'm ears. Yeah. I do. I have, um, I think they're little mermaid ears. I think that I ordered off of like Etsy. I have true issues. I, I was expecting you to say mouse ears, not little mermaid ears. They have even yeah, they are, they're mer- mouse ears. They're the they're the Disney ears, but they're like you, they're like specially designed little mermaid theme ones. They're like bedazzled. Please just tell me that you didn't show up at Disneyland or Disney World in one of those princess gowns, did you? I didn't go full gown. I did wear a matching shirt though. All right, that's we'll let you get away with that. <laughs> okay, 
when you were a kid, did they do that? Because little girls now, they all come in there as their favorite princess. Did, were you in that part of that? We never went to Disney as kids. So my first time at Disneyland was very much an adult. I think I think it was like 25 or something. But yeah, I think, I think it's adorable when the little girls do it. It's a little weird when you're an adult. Yeah, it would be kind of strange. But is that also like, so I know you love Marvel. I've heard that about you. But uh, is there any Disney? Like, does that include like, you know, the Mandalorian, the Star, or the whole Disney? Oh yeah, huge Disney fan, whole Disney family. I got Disney Plus all on my own. Then I like let my mom get on <laughs> so my nephew could watch. But yeah, <laughs> I'm a total Disney nerd. Black Panther. Ah, I, I, I endorse that choice. Love Black Panther. All right, continue. Guardians of the Galaxy. See, now that's an interest. That's a well-done movie, isn't it? I like how they knew that these superheroes were completely unfamiliar to everybody, so they made a soundtrack filled with classic songs that were familiar and beloved, so you'd just instinctually feel happy. It, it, it was a little manipulative. I mean, they do the same thing for pharmaceutical commercials, if you notice. <laughs> like, you hear a song you love on TV, you start feeling good, then you realize they replaced Love Shack with Prozac, which is catchy. You know, Prozac is a little old pill that makes you slightly less crazy. Prozac, baby, Prozac. Can you believe I have the nerve to actually sing to my guest, Sheena? I'm I'm afraid we might have to cut that or they're going to charge us. No, nah, that's staying in. That's definitely staying in. That was, I think Joy loved that. Who sings that? Love Shack, the, It's like the B12s. No, no, the, B12s. No, the B12s. B52, Sheena. B52. The B, B12 is a vitamin. My goodness. Isn't B12, I take B12. Isn't, um... B12 is great. Isn't there a B52 drink? I don't know. There's a bomber. It was a it was a war cra- a war airplane. Yeah, I know that. I think I feel like when I was bartending, people used to ask me to make B52s. Maybe I'm wrong about that. It's a long time ago. Yeah, I, I like a little manipulation, though. Make me happy. Manipulate me into being happy. That's why we love the movies. That's exactly. why we love America. That's why we love sports. Come on. It's all manipulation. <laughs> exactly. is, that your, is that it, or you got one more? One more. One right. more. It's a sleeper, but it's a good one, and that's The Incredibles. That is outside the box. Boy, I appreciate any Pixar movie that does not begin with an elderly man losing his wife to cancer. Yeah. I mean, what was that about? That was up. <laughs> I'm still shaking that one off. My goodness. I mean, not since Bambi was I so bait and switched and had to go to <laughs> trauma therapy. To so disrespectful. I was mean, just sitting there crying. I didn't sign up for this. It's supposed to be an adorable movie about balloons. I know. What was that all about? At least they did it at the beginning and then they kind of picked you up as you went along, whereas Bambi just smashed your hopes and dreams at the end. You know what? Not a lot of things unite us anymore, but everyone agrees about <laughs> That movie, <laughs> that that wasn't right. Yeah, Republicans, Democrats, we can all agree on that. That <laughs> up was a major bummer to start out. Well, Joe, that was a very valiant effort. That, that was quite good, but I'm going to have to pass judgment and declare it a very bad list. That was why? a bad list. Well, I'll tell you why, Joy. It was, interestingly enough, The Dark Knight that did you in. How? Well, anybody who knows me knows that I absolutely, I cannot stand Christopher Nolan. So you, and you, so you should have known this was coming. I told your list was going to be wrong before we started. Because mm-hmm. in the spirit of Christopher Nolan, I like to reveal things out of order for absolutely no reason, for no human reason. See, I, don't, I love The Dark Knight. I don't think it's bad, but I also hate it because that movie was so freaking successful that now Christopher Nolan has the freedom, the carte blanche, to just make movies that are less movies and more just long riddles that I have to try to solve. <laughs> the man is the Riddler. He's, this, he's a supervillain to me, and his goal is not world domination. It's to ruin movie night once every couple of years for me. I can't stand 
disdained him. Have you ever seen, seriously though, you ever seen a man with so much disdain for linear timelines? Oh, well, I mean, Quentin Tarantino is one of my favorite directors and he certainly isn't interested in doing things in order. It makes sense when Quentin does it. I ever see Christopher Nolan, I'm just going to throw a calendar right at his head and hope it leaves <laughs> a really bad paper cut. I'm sure, I'm sure he'll be like, I totally deserve that. Uh, he <laughs> should be. Where can you get a calendar these days? <laughs> you remember there used to be calendar stores? There used to be like calendar kiosks in the mall. Yeah, no, remember, you're talking to a very old man. I still oh. got the kitty hang, hang in there. I still got that one. <laughs> Uh, Joy, you've been a delight, as I knew you would be. Thank you so much for joining us and putting up with us. I much appreciate it. And uh, we'll be listening to all your many podcasts in the future. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, it, was a, it was a lot of fun. Take care of yourself. You too, Joy. Be well. All right, that's all for today, folks. Join us again in two weeks for another installment of the Jim Brockmeyer podcast. Don't forget to freak out, rinse, and remain. F flow, what is it? Follow, rate, review. Follow, rate, review. I'm getting closer and closer. I will get it at some point. Thank you to Mike Ryan, to Metalog Media, to Funny or Die and their team of lawyers who will not stop harassing me unless I keep mentioning their names. We'll see you all next time.